0: Welcome to the Church Podcast, talking all things ministry to help you do church better. I'm your co host, John Ronaldo, and I am joined here, as always, with Chris Wesley, who I enjoy these opportunities to be together. Chris, what's going on, my friend?
1: Not much, John. Just, uh, you know, hanging out, enjoying the life of uh, a youth minister, and, uh, you know, getting ready for um, summer, believe it or not, which is kind of hard, you know, just talking about summer with my team. Um and uh what we need to do, which means gotta talk about fall because summer impacts fall. It, it you know, uh I don't know uh if people are like this, but you gotta constantly think ahead or else you're gonna find yourself stuck on the hamster wheel of ministry for sure.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. And and now's the time, right? This episode's mm-hmm. coming out in in in, in the springtime, uh, March-ish, I guess, and we're yep. getting ready to uh uh, plan we've got us st- now is the time to start planning for next year now some of you are like oh wait a minute like we're still in the middle of lent like we haven't even hit holy week and easter and we haven't done our sacraments yet you want me to start thinking about next year what are you crazy chris
1: right right yeah no <laughs> yes i am crazy uh, <laughs> I but, agree. but yeah th- well thanks john I um, <laughs> no i i mean I know it's kind of crazy, but if you're planning for Lent right now, you're, you know, probably a little bit behind. <laughs> <You're late. laughs> even if you're planning for, um, for Easter, you're, uh, the Easter season, you're a little bit behind because, I mean, again, uh, one of the reasons we find ourselves stuck or feeling overwhelmed is because we don't give ourselves the time to think ahead. And so today's subject is about thinking ahead. Um, It's about setting goals and not just setting goals like, hey, I want to increase my attendance or, you know, um, raise more money, but it's more of like setting goals and how the other things that you do in your ministry, for example, budgeting, which is one of the things we'll talk about, impacts your goals. Um, So... Yeah, so John, um, you're probably going to take more of the lead on this because you're the strategic <laughs> thinker and uh, I'm sure at Parish Success Group, you guys have a whole bunch of tools and, and resources to do that. So uh, yeah, let, let's, talk about, um, let's talk about the basics of goal setting um, yeah. and outside of like just surviving this week.
0: Well, don't sell yourself short, Chris, because you are a strategic thinker as well, my friend. That's why we're doing this together. Remember, we haven't said this in a while. We're church strategists, right? That's what we said we are, church strategists?
1: uh? Church, Yeah, church strategists. There we go. (laughs) Self-proclaimed church strategists.
0: Yeah, self-proclaimed. These are, just so you know, everybody, these are titles we've given ourselves. Nobody has told us that. No,
1: yeah, no one has.
0: Yeah, not not yet. Maybe maybe that will come. Our
1: listeners, you have the blessing of giving us that title and <laughs> that blessing. <so>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Too funny. Let me, let me get, be tangible with you, Chris. Uh, I was working with a, a liturgy director recently um, and we, we're talking all things liturgy as part of uh, this coaching process I'm with, uh, with a particular parish I'm working with. And so we were spending some time and, and I just asked her the question is like, what's your vision for liturgy right uh what are you hoping happens in the context of liturgy and not just the sunday worship but prayer and worship in general right and so she started sharing all these incredible things and i'm like that is amazing have you written that down she's like no like write it down because what you just said is inspiring to me and and Part of the challenge that this individual is having is she's got a vision for what liturgy could be at her parish, but other people haven't seen or heard that vision or hasn't been articulated well. Why am I starting with vision? Because the next place where I took her, I say, okay, that's your vision. How are you going to get there? And so she started rattling off all these concrete ways of, of moving to that area. Right, we were talking about uh, liturgical formation. We were talking about how do we work with the musicians to help them learn? You know what it means. To, to pick good music and, and to them continue to learn as well as time goes on. So we came up with all these ideas. She wanted to do a retreat for formation uh, for all the, the, the liturgy folks, and she knows she needs more liturgy. She knows she needs more sacristans, right? So she started to come up with this plan. This was like a 30-minute conversation, and all of a sudden she's got this entire plan that's rooted in her vision of where she needs to go over the course of the next six months and year. Why do I share that? Uh, I wanted to share that to kind of launch us into this topic, because I I think when you think about goal setting, first of all, a lot of us don't do goal setting in the first place, Chris. We just do the same thing we did last year with small little tweaks, right? Uh, and, And that's not, I think that's not good enough, to be perfectly honest, right? Especially when we're looking at what we're called to as ministry leaders is to evangelize. So how do we evangelize right and so it 's always with that lens that that we need to create our vision and our goals to move us in that direction and one of the powers of writing down the vision that you have um, is that it helps you communicate and articulate that vision to others, but it also gives you clarity about how you are going to go about achieving that so in just that short amount of time, we prepared a vision, but then we started to name all these met- measurable goals, right, that she's going to do that's going to help enhance the experience of liturgy and prayer worship in her parish. And it's helping her begin to create an intentional plan about what the future looks like. And see, here's why this topic is really important, Chris, is it's important that if it's the whole adage, it's like, if you don't have a plan, you're going to fail, right? It's a, that idea. It's like, you, you, if you, you, you don't have a plan, then you plan to fail, right? That right, type of idea, right? right? right. And, and, and now we're starting to put together for her, what are the resources, what are the calendar, what are the finances that you need to begin to make that happen? So, I, I just share that story to kind of launch us into our topic today.
1: Yeah, no, and I, I think that's so good. I, I think, um, it, it, it's so simple, right, but it's so hard, right? It's so simple and it's so hard at the same time because I think when we have these conversations with people, they're, they're like, yeah, 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 that's what I need to do. But it's kind of like, when do I do that? You know, I was, I was speaking with um, uh, a coach um, of mine and she was, uh, we were talking about how personally I need to step away for a day just to do some big picture thinking. You know, for my, not just my professional life, but personal life as well because, you know, recently just feeling like um, a little bit stuck on the treadmill, you know, running real fast but not getting anywhere. And that's why like talking about this is so important and why I'm thinking about the future, right? Um, so I, I think like for us, the first thing that we need to do is sit down at our calendar and plot out a time where we're gonna tackle this, right? And that might mean eliminating something which is totally fine, right? Like you don't wanna, if, if you're in debt, the worst thing to do is to keep on spending, right? Before you figure out your budget. You, you wanna sit down, stop all spending, and figure out your budget. With goals, you know, especially your calendar or whatever it might be, you wanna stop all things so that you can really take the time to look at it comprehensively. It's, it's getting out of the trees to see the entire forest.
0: Yeah. And that is, that is the hardest part, right? If you can do that, you are like 80% of the way there.
1: <laughs> well, and do it regularly too, right? So like, you know, I think um, goal number one for goal setting is figuring out when you're going to set your next set of goals or when the deadline for these goals to come to fruition is. Cause that's another thing, right? So we go out there and we set a goal and there's no deadline and uh, not a deadline necessarily for it to be accomplished by, but a deadline for if it, doesn't get accomplished like how do we reevaluate it how do we revisit that in in that regards Mm -hmm. so so yeah um i love i love the example you gave with the um the liturgy director and uh just sort of talking about how yeah you aim at nothing you're gonna hit nothing you know Mm -hmm. and so we we basically um yeah that's that's the important thing that's why this is important all right so i already Mm -hmm. talked about like taking a day away but let's let's break down some practical steps and, and let's talk about some of the things that goal setting um Impacts uh, when it comes to ministry.
0: Yeah. Well, and and you said earlier that it's not just about metrics, but metrics is a key piece to this, right? You know, when, when you're looking at your ministry, what are the things that you need to measure that helps you know that you're being successful uh, in your ministry and in bringing people into the church, bringing people to Christ. Right. And and we all have those measurables. It's going to be different for, for folks, but I think I would argue some of it is the same. So for instance, if you are not tracking and measuring, for instance, your attendance in children's ministry, well, you need to, right. And, and and let's just, I'm making up a number, right. Let's just say, you know, you've, you, you have 200, kids in your children's ministry, your pre-K through five ministry, grade five ministry, then what's your goal for next year? Well, you want to increase that. You want to do that. And what's realistic. So maybe it's 250. Here's why I think coming up with numbers like that is important because it's those metrics, Chris, that help then drive our innovation on how we're going to get that number, right? And, and, and what we have seen in, in working and coaching clients is that Just the very act of goal setting and writing down numbers begins to get people to think differently about their ministry, even unintentionally, like not planned. They're like, okay, our goal is 250, so what are we going to do to kind of get there? How do I need to market? What does our catechist formation need to look like? You know, What does our facility usage need to look like to have those types of numbers, right? So those metrics are not the end-all, be-all, but I would argue that they're really important. You know, and you could do the same thing. What, what's your goal for numbers of RCIA or in youth ministry or attendance, average weekly attendance at mass? What's your goal for offertory, right? If you're going to have some stewardship efforts, one of your goals is to increase offertory. What's your goal for volunteer hours, right? Or how many volunteers you have? These are all things that I think parishes need to begin tracking if they don't already. Now here's the thing, Chris. I, I bet you we have a lot of these numbers because we're required to report a lot of these numbers to our, our diocese at the end of the year, right? How many sacraments we've done and, and whatnot. So we're already doing them. Those numbers are already there. What we're talking about is utilizing those numbers now in our planning and mm. not just not just, you know, collecting the numbers and then sending them off to the diocesan office.
1: Yeah, yeah. And that's that's the important part, right? It's like collect numbers. You know even attendance something as simple as attendance and say okay how does this impact like what we're trying to do um, and even so like do these uh, so uh, for me attendance is always the easiest example right. so like let's say your vision is to form intentional disciples right uh, and that um, form intentional disciples that goes to proclaim the good good news right so um, that's your vision Um, And your numbers say okay this year you're up 20% from last year or um, Yeah, let's just say they're up that number doesn't necessarily mean that you're reaching your vision um, Of forming intentional disciples it could mean it because it means you're forming more intentional disciples But does it necessarily like represent fully? No, and that's why you have to look at these other metrics as well Um, And so let's just say um, let's just say you discover through the different metrics that it's not really meeting that vision. That's when you start saying like, okay, what are the things that we're spending our money, our time, and um, our investments on? Like, What are the things that we're spending our money, our time, and our resources on to propel us towards that? Or um, what are we spending our money, our time, our resources on that are detracting us from that, right? Um, so for example, um, you know, if you want to like grow a young youth culture in your parish, and, and I can just speak from this from a personal standpoint, but you're not paying someone full time to, <laughs> you know, grow youth ministry or children's ministry in your parish, then you can't expect to, to reach that goal because you're just not putting the time or the money into that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want quality, um, liturgy, um, you know, uh, in your parish, you know, how much time are you not only investing into the staff or the, the music, but uh, as a pastor, your homily, right? Or your, um, your, the formation of your Eucharistic ministers. So, you know, that's when, when you set these goals and start looking at um, the met- metrics, it also makes you look at the strategy that you're approaching to make that happen.
0: Absolutely right. Yeah. I think that's key. And that that's why I think writing them writing them down is is really a central piece to this, right? Um, but the question is really about how do we what how do we know that hearts are transformed, right? You know, mm-hmm. uh, and, and that's a big question, you know, for us. And so one of the reasons why in our coaching process we have parishes In a matrix Excel sheet, write down everything that they do in the parish, and we have a way of doing that. One of the reasons we do that is because at some point we're going to need to analyze what's working and what's not. What do we continue doing? What do we need to stop doing? Because that's your point from earlier, Chris. Because Mm -hmm. there comes a point when you're looking at your goals and kind of what your vision is, where you want to go, that as you develop those goals, you're realizing, I don't have the time to put energy into this, which means you need to have the strong conversation of what do we need to stop? I was recently with a uh, joint parish finance council meeting, and we were talking about what are the ideas that are coming up that fit the mission, right? And and the chair of the finance committee said, that's a great question, but there's a follow-up question that needs to be asked. And I love the way he said this. It's not only about what fits the mission, because a lot more, almost every idea we come up with can fit the mission, right? We can make it fit the mission, right? But then he said, what's the return on the investment? What's the ROI, right? So does it fit the mission? And does this give us the return that we're looking for in terms of our goals, right? And so there is at some point a hierarchy in your activities, Chris, and in my activities that are going to bring more and better results. And so we have to at some point as leaders make a judgment What are those things that bring the the greater return? And what are the things that bring a lesser return? Maybe it still brings a return, but if it brings a lesser return, but if I don't have time to do activity A that brings more of a return, then I probably need to stop doing activity B that brings a lesser return. That's a discernment process that needs to happen. I also don't think that's something you should take lightly, especially if it's things that you've been doing for a long time. Um, Look, I'm all about changing things, but we also know you've got to, look at how people respond to change too and you can't just like cut things because right. you need to have a vision you need to have a communication and understanding etc but i think that's an important discernment
1: no i, I agree i agree um and, and yeah i definitely want to agree with the fact that you even if you have all the metrics in the world you can't just make a rational decision because um making uh, the right decision even though it um you may might make it too quickly can change things for the negative um, can really ruin a good thing. So you, you want to be sensitive to that as well. Um, you know, it's funny because one thing that struck me as you were talking was um, how do you really measure life change, right? How do you really capture that? And and so that's where like we have to look at other ways of capturing information that's not just numbers, but even, um, you know, in business, it's like your customer reviews, right? Your customer feedback and, and satisfaction. and you know, so many times what we do is we resort to a um, feedback form or like a survey monkey, you know, and ask people like, what do you think? But really all you get with those are the same people who are always going to speak, right? The same people who fill out Yelp reviews or, you know, um, things along those lines. And I'm not criticizing those people because those people are the awesome people that give us five stars on uh, iTunes. But, (laughs) (laughs) you know, it's people who, um, you know, fill out surveys are the people who will fill out surveys. There are people who have feedback and, and uh, thoughts about what you're doing. They're just not going to share it in the same way. And that's where you have to cultivate an environment of, um, of like sharing the win or sharing a life change, you know, and that's where you have to, you know, encourage people like, Hey, um, you know, one of the areas you can do that is go to your volunteer team and say to them, Hey, listen, I want to, um, I I would love it if you see any life change happening in your ministry or if you see anything that's special that's achieving our vision or mission, to share that with the rest of the people. And so they'll type that up in an email and it'll be more of a story, it'll be more of a specific sort of situation. But then you can collect those and that's something that you can share with people and say like, all right, yeah, you know what? Our numbers are not exactly of where we projected them to be, but look at the significant impact we're having on people's life change. And you know what? we in the past had maybe five of these stories. Now we're starting to see like three dozen of these stories, you know? And, and so that's like a new number that you're sort of quantifying are the, the customer feedback or the, the people feeling so changed by it that they, that they have to share it. Right. And, and I, I think that's kind of like one number or an alternate number that you can share is by saying to people like, listen, there is, um, so much life change happening here. That the number and pieces of feedback and responses and the diversity in that, so it's not just the same three people, but it's multiple people, is growing is a, a true sign of that health. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Oh, I totally agree with that, and we got to <clears> find <throat> ways to collect that. So, so again, we've talked about you know kind of step one, you've got to find time in your calendar to sit down and do some deep thinking around this, right? It's, it's not going to show up out of nowhere, right? Because we get pulled in all different directions, right? Step two, really, if we're going to put in the steps is, is, is articulate that vision or re articulate that vision, right? And write it down so that you mostly for you to understand it fully. And by the way, the consequence of that is you, it will help you, Articulate it to others more effectively too, and then and then in light of that vision, step three is start to come up with some tangible goals. Now, part of that is metrics, right? You know, is what are the goals that you want to accomplish. You know. And then step four really is because okay, how are we gonna achieve that? Right. In my mind, how are we gonna start achieve that? So this is where you start to build out an action plan of what that looks like. Now, Chris, this is where the finance conversation and the facility conversation comes into play and why you need to do it now during this season, because I guarantee you your pastor and your finance committee are already developing the bare bones budget for next year. They already are, I guarantee you that, so uh, and and if if you're not inputting, if you're not providing input into that, you're going to get the same numbers you know, in terms of the budgets that you asked for for last year, and those numbers may or may not help you achieve this plan that you're starting to develop so what's your vision? What are your goals? And then what are your action plans? That's the next step. And think about finances, but also think about facility usage. We know that our favorite meeting of the year for anyone in parish ministry is the facilities calendaring meeting that happens typically in April and May for the rest of the year. Right? Chris. That's a whole
1: nother podcast. I hate that meeting. And you know what? In the 12 years I was at nativity, we never had that meeting Um, yet. We ran, pretty efficiently um, (laughs) because I think there are ways of destroying that meeting revamping it and doing it in a way that does not want people to go out and just you know do unmentionables Uh, so anyway uh, yes as John was mentioning that
0: but facility usage is an important piece of achieving those goals. And whether it, the process for facility meetings is good or not, I wish we record the video and we could post Chris's reaction when I started you know talking we, about
1: we, that. We, we, do, we do record the video. Maybe I can uh, just, uh, <laughs> you know, maybe we can put a montage together of my eye rolls, head shakes, and, <laughs> you know, uh, other behavior when John hits a sore spot <laughs> <Which> <laughs> he, doesn't do inten- he doesn't do intent he doesn't do intentionally but yeah there's just times where i just physically cannot help myself but react to things <laughs> like calendar meetings and lock-ins and <laughs> fundraisers and buzzwords blah all right yeah. anyway
0: But in terms of the budgeting piece, going back to that, and and we'll link to a previous episode we did called The Joy of Budgeting, (laughs) aptly named, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. We'll link to that because I think there's, there's some, I remember some of the things we talked about in that episode, so we'll link to that, but but you know when you when you come up with those goals and action plans and you start coming up with your finances, this is where you need to team up with your your business manager or parish administrator in terms of working within their system in terms of how you get those numbers in so that 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 person the finance committee can can do some discernment about the about the budget, but you need to find a way to input those numbers to your parish administrator and that's what our previous uh, episode on the joy of budgeting does spend some time talking about that. So we'll link to that. We won't spend a lot of time talking about that in this moment in time, but budget uh, finances and facilities play a role and you've got to think all that through. Right. And this is, this is why you need to take that time away. And some people just need to do it away from church campus. All right. You need to go to Starbucks or somewhere else, you know, where you're not easily distracted by your phone or by people walking into your office and really take that time. And we're not talking about 30 minutes, folks. We're, we're talking about. This is important. We're talking about a decent amount of time. I mean, minimally a couple hours. And you may not be able to sit down in one sitting and do that, but maybe you break it out. You get an hour on Tuesday, another hour on Thursday, and maybe a two-hour break the following Monday, right, to kind of help formulate that plan. But you've got to sit down and make that time.
1: And on top of that, bring someone from the outside to facilitate it. Like you as the leader should not be facilitating that conversation. Someone on your staff – should not you need to bring someone in from the outside it could be someone from parish council it could be you know someone from your parish definitely or from the diocese if your diocese offers that um you know um a consultant um or coach out there but someone to sort of do that because if you as the leader are leading this conversation everything you say um, people will default to because you're the leader so um unless you're just Getting everyone's feedback, collecting it, and not saying a single thing, and then saying at the end, "All right, I'll collect this information and come up with my, you know, final thoughts." I would heavily, heavily um, advocate that you get someone from the outside that's going to lead that meeting. That's not the leader.
0: Yeah, and I think you're talking about. I think we could talk about two different things here. Is one, we're talking about you as an individual contributor in the ministry, Mm -hmm. kind of taking some solo time and doing that, right? Which is important, right? Yes. But what you're talking about is if we're doing something in a group setting, including a core team, or maybe it's a pair of staff or whatnot, right? You know, that kind of having a facility to kind of help with that. Yeah, that makes sense to me, although I have seen it done effectively with internal people as well. But I agree with that.
1: Well, and it depends what the internal position is. Um, You know, if you're in a small staff, chances are that person is not there. But even on an individual thing uh, level too, like, yeah, I I think you go off and do that, but make sure you check with others what that, those goals look like too, because you don't want to operate within a vacuum um, because your perception might not match match reality so um
0: minimally you need to connect with your supervisor and your pastor you know on on these goals right not just
1: go yeah what
0: are you talking about like maybe that maybe that's step five present this to your supervisor
1: well maybe we should link them back to the one we talked about with evaluations and and managing too because you're you're right you're right you're definitely right on that um but I, i think bottom line with that last thing is making sure that you're working with someone else on these goals, whether they're internal or not. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. and because you get good feedback, but you also get checks and balances, you get a reality check, which I think is important too. It's like, you know, as you get feedback, maybe you have this great idea about launching this brand new ministry, but maybe it's not feasible the way it's currently articulated. Maybe you need to take bits and pieces and implement it more slowly. I mean, those are the types of things that come in the collaboration and conversation. Mm -hmm. You know, so that, that really is the last step is who are you going to show that to supervisor, pastor, your team, for sure. Why not? Right. And get that feedback and come at it. uh, Come at it with an attitude of what I'm presenting to you is not final. This is the draft. And I'm interested in your input to help it be more concrete so we can move more towards a final draft. Mm -hmm. But now's the time. This is the season of the
1: church year,
0: you know, during this kind of this Lenten, this early spring season that we're, we have to start doing this now to begin for next year.
1: All right, John, great conversation. Hopefully now people are thinking about the future. They're thinking about uh, what is coming up and uh, not getting stuck in the hamster wheel of ministry that we sometimes find ourselves in. But let's say people need uh, extra service or help, they can always reach us at questions at But if you want to reach out to John, um, John, what's the best way of reaching you?
0: Visit us at parishsuccessgroup.com or reach out to me on Twitter at John Ronaldo.
1: And you can find me at all things Marathon Youth Ministry. You can go to MarathonYouthMinistry.com um, or definitely leave us a review, some feedback. Help us uh, with our measurements um, by just letting us know how we're doing and what we could do better. Um, but we thank you all for everything that you guys do. Thank you so much for being a part of uh, this experience. We love you and we're praying for you. Um, and uh, and let's, uh, let's close in prayer. All right, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much for um, this opportunity to think about uh, the path that you've laid out for us, an opportunity to think about what's ahead. And God, I know that often we get distracted by busyness, by um, small little things that pop up, Lord, but we know that when we set goals, uh, we're not only able to focus on the path that you've given for us, Lord, but we're able to focus on the way that you want us to reach those goals, Uh, not cutting corners, not uh, you know, rushing, Lord, but really taking into account that as we move, we're moving with you and we move as a church. Lord, thank you so much for loving us first. We love you in your name we pray. Amen. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.